Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, worship team. What a uh, powerful way to, to launch us into the rest of our time of worship and, and uh, spending time with our Lord. I pray that it doesn't, this, this worship sticks with you this week. Just preparing us for this, this moment, uh, but for, for this entire week as we commune with God, our good, good Father. And He's given us such amazing grace. <coughs> so today, uh, we're talking a little bit about I echo prayers. Um, Jeff mentioned earlier, for our team in Haiti, how great it is that we get to partner uh, and be with them through a partnership group. Um, and we were praying alongside our team with our mission partners in Haiti. And we did not cease to pray. Well, how cool it's been. Over the last few weeks, we've had videos shown from a lot of the different uh, team members where they were sharing what was on their heart, uh, why they thought God was bringing them to Haiti, how we could pray with them throughout the week. And, if you can catch on to any of the memories you might have of those, or at least the faces, um, and pray by name and by prayer requests. And there was some great stuff in there. We got to hear their hearts and how God was using them. Uh, and uh, I think back to one video in particular. Um, this person was sharing a lot of great prayer requests. And I mean, she, this person was going kind of rapid fire with pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. And there's a lot of really good stuff about how we can pray for their team to be safe, for God to use them, to work through them, and at the very end of, the, of what she was saying, and yeah, that's how she finished it, and Jeff and Justin kind of made fun of her uh, at the end, and kind of, well not made fun of her, kind of messed with her, and said well, that, that yeah was loaded, and it, I mean it was powerful stuff throughout the entire video of, of the prayer request that we could, that we could provide, and, and uh, that yeah was just kind of like a whew, but um, but yeah, they kind of messed with her about the yeah. So we get home that day, and, you know, having lunch after church. And uh, we, we always encourage our kids to try to pray before our meals as often as possible. And uh, um, a lot of times it's just kind of just praying for the same old stuff. And, but that's good. They're learning to pray, and they're getting comfortable with prayer. And uh, Garrett's praying that day. He's my seven-year-old. And, you know, a lot of the same old stuff. You know, dear God, thank you for this food and that good stuff. But you know, thank you for this food. Pray for our cousin Avery that she gets better. Pray for Pastor Jeff. And pray for the yeah. I'm like, what? what? What is that? Don't you remember from the video? Pray for the yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's right. And it was so awesome. That stuck with him. And it was such a simple prayer. But, um, you know, we were able to really remember this person and the team and, and from that. And, uh, you know, prayer. And it's beautiful that it can be such a simple thing. Just a to approach our loving God who we have a relationship with us. And He cares about whatever's on our mind. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Simple is good. I, some of my favorite prayers are from new Christians. You, know, you hear them pray, pray sometimes and they're just like, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to say right now, but God, I'm just so thankful for how you've worked in this, my life and you, you rescued me and I'm just in awe of that. And I'm not sure what I should say next to God, but you're just, I mean, it's awesome and I mean, it's just so real. And I just pray that we can all capture that realness in our prayers. Um, but, you know, then it's ironic that uh, prayer is beautifully simple. Um, but at the same time, it's, uh, um, it's so complex. It, you know, it's, it's, it's so counter what's normal to us. I mean, we're praying and uh, uh, having a conversation, but... 
God's not, I mean, we don't hear an audible voice praying back. We don't see anybody in the room with us as we're, as we're praying. And that can be frustrating. Does anybody else wish that, you know, hey, God would answer back with a few audible words at some point during the prayer, at least, you know, keep, you know t- tell me I'm on track or something? Uh, I mean, I wish I could have that. Uh, but, but God is a um, supernatural God uh, who's omnipresent, meaning everywhere at the same time, and uh, He knows everything. He knows each one of us. He knows what's in our heads and our hearts. Um, and it's uh, um, we get to communicate with Him in prayer. And it's, uh, it's weird at times. And, and sometimes I lose track. I lose focus. Does anybody else ever start daydreaming or minds start wandering in the midst of prayer? Um, it's easy to do when you don't have some that person responding to you in an audible voice. I mean, God is, God is there. He's speaking, maybe not in the way we want. And, um, prayer can be difficult. And um, so is both of these. It's simple and complex. I almost forgot since I shared with the first service, I, I'll go back to it. But I mean, you know, the simple prayers of you know, my children, I mean, they're great. You know, learning to prayer, yeah, learning to pray. And, you know, the name may be the, the Johnny Appleseed prayer growing up. Yeah, I'm not going to sing that one for you, but that's a common one. Oh, the Lord's been good to me. Uh, you know, we learn to pray in that. Um, a common one at our house right now, you, you will not be surprised knowing my family, is the superhero prayer. That's a new one I had never heard, but uh, Nolan has heard this. He has latched on, and we have to do the Superman prayer often at our house. And that's when we have to, we have to all sit there at the table and raise our hands like Superman, and thank you, Lord, for giving us food. For the people we need, for the people we need, and I don't know, we do the whole Superman song. And that's Nolan. But you know what? He's learning to pray, and he's getting comfortable praying, and that, that helps um, as, we, as we grow in prayer. And so, you know, simple, real, raw prayers are important. That's how God wants us to approach it, just as we are. Um, but just like anything else, we can grow in the way that we pray. And you guys might uh, be comforted. I know I was comforted to find out we aren't the only ones that struggle with prayer at times because in the Gospels, the, um, the disciples, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, the, four, um, the, the Lord's Prayer shows up twice. It shows up in Matthew, which we're going to look at. It shows up in Luke as well. And uh, before the, the version in Luke, the Gospel said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know? I mean, these guys were good Jews. They've been to the synagogues over and over and over again. Um, where prayer happens, I mean, they should have known how to pray. It's easy, right? But they saw something in the way Jesus prayed where they wanted to, to learn more, grow more. And um, uh, so God said to use them in that way. More. So they asked God, Jesus, teach us to pray. Um, so two different versions of the Lord's Prayer. And that's, that, uh, they're, they're slightly different. And you know what? That's because Jesus probably prayed this prayer a lot in a lot of different settings. Uh, but we're going to look at Matthew's version today. And if you want to start turning in your Bibles... Uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Um, if you don't have your Bible, we have a, a Bibles in many of the pews, and that's the, the version I'll be using, the Net Translation, uh, page 1097, if you're using one of those Bibles. But Matthew chapter 6, about three-quarters of the way through your Bible, early on in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, some of you all may be familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. So this is a, um, a sermon Jesus gave where he was uh, talking about what it means, and he was the king, uh, and he comforts people, and he's telling them what it means to live in his kingdom, what it means to live as a Christ.
Christ follower, I need some radical, powerful stuff about what it means to follow Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we are in Matthew chapter 6. He talks about prayer. And that's where we're going to pick it up today. And he, Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer. And uh, we'll go ahead and read that now. Uh, but before we do, before we enter God's Word, I'd like to pray one more time. Father, Almighty God, I pray that as we enter your Word, that you prepare our hearts so that you may speak loudly into our lives despite anything that I may or may not say. Lord, may we need it speaks and transform us and give us a vision of how we can grow in the way that we pray. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let me go ahead and start off by reading this text in verse 5. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and on street corners so that people can see them. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father in, the, in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So pray this way. Our Father in Heaven may know your name. May your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their sins, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So what we have here uh, is a more modern translation, more updated translation of uh, the Lord's Prayer. And as you look at different translations, it's helpful to get an idea of different nuances, different translators get. Um, so it's a little bit different than maybe the traditional Lord's Prayer that we that you may or may not have heard in, in other churches or this church growing up. Um, commonly, when, we, when the church recites the Lord's Prayer, that the, the words that are commonly used are, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. That's a, a, a prayer that the church um, from the very beginning has been reciting together. Um, you know, a lot of times I try to move away from the vows and the vows and all that, but uh, to pray words that the church has been praying for centuries and that unites us. And so there's great stuff there. So I don't hope the vows and the vows and all that don't hold you back from really. Um, appreciating this prayer, and that's part of the reason we're going to look at it in uh, a more updated translation, try to get a glimpse of, of what is Jesus saying as he tells us to pray this prayer. He doesn't pr- begin by just talking, by just presenting the model. He, he wants to, up front, present a few important things to understand about prayer. And we're going to look at those first. The first things first, in the first couple of verses here, 
what do we see here? So the first thing he says is, whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, religious leaders, because they love to pray while standing in synagogues and street corners so that people can see them. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, do not try to impress others. That is not the kind of prayer I mean. These religious leaders, they're often standing in front of large groups and looking all fancy, uh, and they, uh, they were trying to impress people. I'll be honest. I mean, you know, we, uh, I think it's very much part of our nature that, that anything we do in front of people, we want to be liked by people. We want them to think that it's, um, they want to like what we're doing and what they see. And so, I mean, I struggle with that too. Anytime, anytime I say anything in public, uh, I struggle with that right now. I mean, I want you to like what I say as I preach. That's normal. That's natural. Um, but Jesus is really trying to, uh, to refocus his followers here and say, when you do it in front of the crowd, don't do it to try to impress people. Who, you know, who is your focus on? What is your motive? Is it for everyone else? Or is it for God? Because that's what prayer is. Strong contrast here. Uh, but whenever you pray, go into your room and close the door, pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Uh, private, individual prayer is a very important thing. Uh, and Jesus is, is He's, he's in this bold contrast. Um, if you need to look and see, what is he really saying? He's, he's not, I don't believe he's saying that we only pray in private. We only pray by closing the doors. How do I know that? Because the, the model prayer here is our Father. It's a corporate prayer, something that we do together. The early church, time and time again, prayed in public. So there is a place for public prayer, and it's important. But what Jesus is saying here, what's your motive? Because if you're praying in front of everyone, to impress people, the focus is not on God. Are you trying to impress God? Or, I'm sorry, are you trying, trying to impress people? Are you talking to your Father as we gather together and, and direct your prayers towards Him, to Him alone? So do not try to impress others. Um, Justin, if you would say, gave us a, a very, uh, starting to focus more um, on this idea. You know, if we're just, yeah, we don't do it to impress others. And then the next point, when you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that by their many words, they will be heard. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So pray this way. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, don't try to impress others, but also, don't try to impress God. Yes, your focus is on God. Uh, but he doesn't care if you're using fancy words and long, elaborate prayers. He cares about your heart. God is not your audience in prayer. This is part of your relationship with God, to come before him and pray and just be real with him and to connect with him. It was common in Jesus' day, uh, because the, the Greeks and the Romans, they had false gods, they were idols. And it was, uh, it was common as a lot of the... Um, the Greeks and the Romans addressed these false gods, they would try to use really fancy words and babble repetitiously. That's what Jesus talks about, what, what he refers to here when he talks about the Gentiles babbling repetitiously. Um, they would try to do this to persuade these false gods to do what they wanted. Um, that's how it works. That's not how it works with the one true God. He's not looking for fancy speech, big words, 
Bible said, growing the vocabulary of prayer is helpful. Uh, so when you have those moments when you've got, I can't just, I can't think of what to say. If you are able to pull something you've heard in the Psalms or some of the praise songs, those sometimes that can really help guide your prayer. So there's nothing wrong with using these big fancy words if it's for the right motives, if it's to draw close to God. Not if you're trying to impress God or others. But it's interesting what he says here uh, as part of the reason for not, not bothering with fancy talk. Um, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Has anybody ever heard this and just kind of struggled? What's the point? I mean, I know I have. The art, you know, God knows everything. Why do I need to take the time to try to Lay it all before him if he already knows. Why do we even bother? I've heard people say that, and I personally wrestle with it. But the problem with with that question is we've got a complete, when we ask that, we've got a completely wrong perspective of what prayer is. Uh, There's a great, great quote that I found in a book called Prayer by Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey's a great writer. I recommend anything he does. uh, He's very smart and he's able to go very deep. Uh, but he writes in a very approachable way. And it's, um, his books are almost devotional in style. And so he wrote on prayer, and he used this quote by a guy named Tim Stafford. We do not pray to tell God what he does not know, nor to remind him of things he has forgotten. He already cares for the things we pray about. He has simply been waiting for us to care about them with him. We speak to him as we speak to our most intimate friends, so that we can commune to, together in love. When we pray, no, we do not bring any new information to God. But God desperately wants us to bring all that before him, so that we can be with him. And he cares about what's on our heart. And when we pray to God with the things on our heart, we get to commune with him together in love over that. He's been waiting for us to care about these things with God. How powerful and awesome it is that God, even though I can't physically see Him and I can't audibly talk to Him, He's given us this thing called prayer so we can be with Him. What a blessing. I may not completely understand it, and I may get frustrated at times, um, but we get to be with God through prayer. And He truly cares about what we lay before Him when we pray. So that's how Jesus sets the stage uh, for this model prayer. Don't pray to try to impress others. Don't, even, don't pray, to, pray to try to impress God. Um, but then he gives us this example. And, uh, while there is no right or wrong way to pray, I think that if we incorporate the principles of what's inside this, this prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, into our everyday prayers, uh, it will be powerful. He says, pray this way. You know, the, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, it um, talks a lot about discipleship. Jesus goes to his first followers, uh, and he says, follow me. He gives them a vision of greater things. He is the king who has come, and he is establishing his kingdom. And he says to these men, follow me. To these people, follow me. And... <clears throat> The act of following is giving them a vision of how things, how, how 
things work. Uh, and in God's kingdom, He's given them a vision of, of how we ought to live as people of the King, uh, ambassadors for Christ, lights into the world. So when we pray in the way that Jesus taught us to pray, it's not just the prayer, but it's leading us um, to live in a certain way, following Jesus. Uh, and what Jesus would say, I mean, this radical, revolutionary stuff about following things. So it's powerful when Jesus says, and important when he says, pray this way, and he should get our attention. Let's look at how the prayer opens. <clears throat> you know, I, I said the Lord's Prayer a few minutes ago, and I've said that many times in my life. I grew up in a lot of churches that did that every Sunday. And it's so easy to go quickly, especially through the beginning. These first four words, Our Father in Heaven, Our Father who art in Heaven, there's so much packed into that. And uh, we shouldn't miss this. Should be very careful to not go so fast to the Lord's Prayer that we miss this. Our Father in heaven. In heaven. We're here on the earth. He is in the heavens. He is set apart from creation. We've got a word for that. How holy. That's what holiness means. Our holy God is set apart from creation. And, and to acknowledge that He is holy and set apart from us, um, and there's a lot that we can unpack there. His majesty. His glory. We can consider the fact that He created all things and He is powerful. He's, he is all-powerful. That's our loving God. We begin by acknowledging His, his majesty and His glory and His awesomeness. Um, and we acknowledge that at the same time, His Father. You know, we get so accustomed to calling God His Father, I think we've lost touch. Uh, and what that really means Jesus was the first one to really acknowledge God as Father. That was not common at all in the Old Testament. Um, but Jesus uses this term, Father, in prayer. Uh, the, the term he actually uh, used was Abba, the Aramaic, Abba. Um, Abba has been translated by some to mean, to, to maybe nuance, to more like Daddy. It was weird in the Bibles. Um, but uh, Daddy. I don't think I would personally say that in a prayer either. Maybe that. I don't know. It's not the best with father. But that's what a, you know, he's not just, he's not just by our father. He's a dad who desperately loves his children and wants to embrace us in this thing called prayer. Um, we are children of the king. And what differentiates the one true God from all these false gods is he's such a relational God who draws us close and he truly cares. And so we begin this prayer with this great, um, almost paradox of, uh, you know, he's distant, holy, set apart, but he's our loving Father who draws us close. And we acknowledge both of these. I love the praise songs that the, um, Jeff uh, used to get us started with worship this morning. That's some of my favorites. He's a good, good Father. That's who he is. You know, that's, that's a great truth for us. Um, but, but the next song I'll, song, I'll stand, you know, setting the stage with, um, we stood before creation. Or, I'm sorry, not you. You stood before creation. God stood before creation, creating it all. Uh, he stood before our failures at the cross, and He redeemed us. Um, these are great truths 
about God that we need to claim and hold on to that really helps set the stage for anything else we would do for God, about God, to God. Um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Um, this is incredible, awesome, amazing stuff um, that should launch us into our morning of worship, gathered together, should launch us into our week, um, and should launch us into our prayer. Because a lot of the problems with my prayers sometimes is that, you know, I just, I just begin with this dull focus on me and the things I want and thanking God for this, this, and this. That was great. Um, but if we truly begin our prayers uh, by focusing on who God is and what He does, if we give us such an incredible, radical vision of how He can move in our life through our prayers and just move in our life in general, it just affects us. If I'm going to pray for trust and faith and provision, to acknowledge that this is the Almighty God who created all things first, uh, that can give me more of a fire in my prayer when, um, when I'm praying for these things. So we need to always begin our prayers by really focusing on who God is and what He has done, uh, who are in heaven. And then He goes on, Hallowed be your name. And if you're following along in the Bible, it says, May your name be honored. Here's one thing, interesting thing that I, I saw studying this text that I, I never would have caught is from reciting the traditional um, Lord's Prayer. Because in the traditional one, that hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it just goes really fast, and you don't see an obvious connection between the three. What we have, if you look in your Bibles, you'll see six stanzas to pray for. The first three are all may your, may your, may your. So it's all beginning with focusing on God and His purposes. Those are the first three. And then the next three is where we come in and what's on our heart and what we know needs to happen for us. So three things about God and then three things about us. And it begins with, how will be your name? You know, I, I struggle. I mean, I didn't even bother trying to understand that one as a kid. I've never used that word, how will I mean, it sounds, you know, cool and impressive about God. But what is that? How will be? Well, the text here says honors, and that really helps me out personally. May your name be honored. That's what it's talking about with how will be got a holy God. We want to make His name great. We want to make His name famous. We need to pray first and foremost that, that, that we are declaring that our God is worth. We want our God to be made known throughout the world. We want Him to be known in our lives. May he, um, and he's talking about reput- name. It's talking about His reputation. Um, we, we want His name to be held high among the earth and in our own lives. That's what it means. How will it be by name? Saying, saying that God's name be honored. So that's the first of three stanzas about God. And then it goes on. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. I've already talked um, about the kingdom quite a bit in this sermon. I get pretty fired up about things of the kingdom. Because when you consider the fact that we do serve a king, and uh, we are his people to be used in his kingdom, that's exciting to me. I mean, I want to be used in the kingdom of our king. That's great. Um, and when we pray, may your kingdom come, we're considering that we live in a broken world. God created everything perfectly. We have a relationship with God. We walked in perfect fellowship with Him. There's no sin, no brokenness, no death, none of that. And sin wrecked all that. But this, this Bible is all about the redemptive story of how our, our God is restoring everything that is perfect. His king 
is, is fixing, his kingdom is fixing the brokenness. Jesus is our king. He is the answer to the fact that everything is broken. When we say, may your kingdom is gone, may your kingdom come, we are acknowledging that there is spiritual brokenness in the world. And people um, are separated from God because of sin and penalty of death. There is spiritual brokenness. We are acknowledging that there is physical brokenness, pain, suffering, death, cancer, illness, all sorts of ugliness out there that we deal with on the day to day. These are realities. Relational brokenness in our families are just struggling. Um, addictions, sin, mess. There is brokenness out there. You say, may your kingdom come. We are, we are asking God for his kingdom to come in and restore everything that is broken. And the good news is when one day he will come back and everything will be perfectly restored. All the brokenness will be restored. In the meantime, he's establishing his kingdom Glimpses and portraits. You know, people are, are, are being saved through Jesus Christ. His kingdom is being established, and the is we get to be part of it. So may your kingdom come. We are asking, we are asking God, but we are also asking God to be a part of it. God, how can I be used in your kingdom? May your kingdom come. God uses His people to go and share the good news of Jesus. That's the answer to spiritual things. God is using his people to go meet human needs in the name of the love of Christ. And that's fixing physical brokenness. We get to be used by God to help establish his kingdom. And that's an exciting thing. And the kingdom comes. And then we go on to say the third stanza focus on God. May your will be done on earth as it is. You know, we almost lump those two together. And I mean, there's a lot of overlap. God's will it happens in His kingdom. But to really focus on His will, what does this mean? That's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? I want to go before the Lord and say, Hey, God, I really don't like the fact that I didn't get this job opportunity or, or this, you know, this next promotion or um, this, for this child we've been trying for or this or that, all these things. Um, but what happens when it's not God's will? We're praying for God's will to happen for first and foremost. It's a scary thing sometimes. But here's the cool thing. When we come before God and spend time with Him in prayer, oftentimes we can see how His will is best first and foremost. God cares about our pain. He cares about the things that we bring before Him. And He, he provides answers to prayer all the time. But the great thing, since I know that I still live in a, a broken world with pain and suffering all the time, to focus on His will helps me find joy and peace no matter what may happen. So to pray for God's will in my own life. That's, that's a powerful, scary thing. Um, but it's so important. So we pray for God's will in our own personal lives, and we pray for God's will in our families' lives. We pray for God's will in the life of our church, in God's will and used by God according to His will. We pray for God's will in our nation. Uh, boy, there's a relevant one right now, huh? This political season. Um, there's some ugly stuff in the news this week. It's, it's, uh, it's 
been depressing to watch this political season play out, whether you have a candidate or you don't. It's just ugly watching what's going on. Um, but the good news is, I, I heard a great quote um, on Twitter. A great quote on Twitter. But uh, it said, Jesus, as all this is going on, he is not sitting on the end of his throne, sweating, watching all these you know, elections, all the, the ballots and all that, um, and the votes. He, he's not worried. And we shouldn't be either. We shouldn't participate in politics. But we know, no matter if the next president is Trump, Hillary, Cruz, Rubio, Bernie, whoever, Mickey Mouse, Fred Flintstone, God is still on the throne. He's the King of Kings. And we need to pray for His will to be done in our nation. He has used tyrants. He has used uh, you know, some of the Persian and Babylonian things. He worked. His will happened when these evil, crazy, selfish, brutal, ruthless men were on little thrones in the um, you know, ancient days. And uh, His will can happen no matter who is president. So we need to actively pray for God's will in our nation. And we all will. May your name be honored, may your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the prayer turns the corner to begin to focus on, on us. And that's important too. God cares about our needs. It says, give us today our daily bread. What's this talking about? Well, I'm clearly talking about food. Bread is referring to, to getting the food we need day to day, nourishment. Uh, but I think it's talking about all the necessities in life. Sometimes I almost feel selfish asking for things in my life. But God instructs his followers to pray for what we need. That's not selfish. Now, this is talking about necessities, not luxuries. Uh, I think that there's a, uh, an unselfish ways to pray for the good things in life, too. Um, but I mean, here it's really focusing on necessities. It says, give us today our daily bread. We need to remember as we, as we pray this, how God has provided over and over again. And then we can, we can pray this. We know that God does take care of these people and provide. Um, this is a prayer of trust. Daily bread. I tell you what, I don't want daily bread. I would love for God to just provide three months shipment of what's going to sustain me so I know I'm good to go and I can move forward. That would make me a lot more comfortable than daily bread. Um, and God doesn't always work that way. And we, that's how faith and trust grows when we depend on Him in a daily Basis. Give us this day, day, day. Forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. Here's a tough one. Um, a couple things to point out here. Uh, first of all, there's two different ways of saying the Lord's Prayer. The other one is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, looking at the term in Matthew's Gospel, it is give us our debts. But, um, that term, especially how it was used in the day, um, it, it was probably referring specifically to sin. In Luke's gospel, it specifically says, forgive us our sins and we forgive those who sin against us. So whether you use the word debt, trespass, or sin, it doesn't really matter. So I'll get into the, the same idea is that we need to forgive those who have offended us and we need to seek forgiveness. Another thing to point out, we usually talk about forgiveness as a once and for all thing. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, I am once and for all forgiven for any sin that I have done and any sin that I will do. That's still true, but I think we're talking about two different types of forgiveness here. God 
We stand before God as judge. And He forgives us from the penalty of that sin. Once and for all. And then we enter into our family. And we learn to live in a family where we still need to forgive others and seek forgiveness from others, especially our Father. Um, no, we will not lose our salvation and be kicked out of the family. But learning to live as a family means, yeah, we still confess our sins and we still seek forgiveness. And it's so important that we forgive others um, because it, it, the hardness of our hearts and the bitterness develops when we don't forgive others. Uh, it hurts us more than the people who have wounded us if we don't forgive others. And God really cares about that. He wants us to be agents of His love, so we need to forgive others. But He also wants us to be set free from what's holding us back in bitter, bitterness. So He really wants us to focus on this, forgiving others and seeking forgiveness And then the last stanza. You do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Chopped off the line in the text version, but that's in the Bible, I promise. Um, deliver us from the evil one. You know, the book of James tells us that God, because of who he is, is incapable of tempting us. God is not the tempter, but he does allow us to be in situations where we're around temptation. We grow in those moments. We learn what we should learn, especially as we pray this prayer, is that we cannot get through um, on our own strength. Think about where you are most vulnerable to sin, the addictions that you may have, or, or, or the moments where because you may be tired, frustrated, overworked, whatever, stressed. Think about how you, when you are most vulnerable to sin. And God's strength. And we need to be praying for God's strength to deliver us from that temptation, to deliver us um, from the attacks of the evil one who is very alive and active in our lives. Because His power is great. And we need to be praying this on an active, regular basis. Uh, the text ends the prayer there. But for those familiar with the Lord's Prayer that we may have recited in church, uh, we usually conclude, or we conclude with, For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, this was how the early church concluded the prayer. We have a document called the Didache um, that talks about how they did things in the early church, and that's part of it. And it made its way into some later Bible manuscripts. Uh, wasn't in the Bible, but clearly this is a great way to conclude a prayer where you bring the focus once again on God. And as you, you were praying for these things, you were praying that He is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That is our God, and that's when you just laid things at His feet at and asked for and prayed with and wrestled with. Um, it's a fitting ending. So what do we do with this prayer? How do, how do we incorporate this prayer into real life? There are many that will say, because Jesus said to do this, we should do it every time the church gathers or in your individual lives. Um, pray it. You know, on word for word, just as it is. And I would tell you that there's, that is a good thing to do. But the text doesn't tell us, it doesn't specify how we are to incorporate it. Incorporate it. So, um, I think it's a great practice. It, it unites us to the Christians of old and, and throughout the world today, uh, very specifically praying the Lord's words. It's a great practice. Um, but there's nothing that says we have to do it that way. I would say if you choose to do it that way or not, we should all try to incorporate the structure of this prayer, beginning with who God is and what He has done. 
been focusing on making him great, his name known and famous, for his kingdom and his will to be in our lives to be used by him to help extend that throughout the world. And then to focus on, Lord, provide for me. Help me trust you. Lord, help give me the strength to forgive. And, and Lord, continue to forgive me. And deliver me from temptation. Uh, and we need to adopt that structure. And here's a simple way if you're um, struggling with how should I pray. Many of you have probably heard of the, the Acts format of praying. This takes the same principles. Uh, adoration. Begin by focusing on God. You know, maybe look at the language of the Psalms and just believe your favorite praise song. Just focus on who God is. And confession. Then thanksgiving. And then the last one is supplication. We usually begin with that. Lord, please help me and give me this. Uh, there's a piece for that. Um, but focus on who God is first. So here's just an example. Um, but regardless, no matter what how you choose to pray. Know that we, God desires us to be real and authentic and just, it's relational. Just, just come before Him and do it. You will grow in your prayer. I encourage you to pray out loud in front of people. That's a good thing. It helps build us all up as the body of Christ. But adopt these principles because they're radical, revolutionary, and this is what it means to be a follower of we're going to close um, in a little bit. We're going to pray this prayer individually and corporately. Jeff has um, come up with a video to incorporate a lot of the things we just talked about or explored through the Lord's Prayer. Take the opportunity to pray individually the Lord's Prayer in your life. And then we'll stand together and pray. Church, please stand with me. We're going to get the last slide up for those of you all that need the words. together. May this prayer corporately as our Lord Jesus Christ instructed us to do the vision of what it means in our lives and how God wants us to live. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Go and grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And be people of radical revolutionary prayer and pursue.